Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I have to admit, whenever our text from our gospel reading from Luke 5, verses 1 to 11, comes up, I am personally reminded of my own experiences fishing. I don't fish often, and I'm not especially fond of it. However, when I have gone fishing, I have found that I have a very uncanny, unwavering, constant talent to not catch any fish. That doesn't matter how successful those around me may be or those others at the lake or the river. When I go fishing, it's truly an exercise in drowning worms instead of catching fish. And so too it was, at least for one night, for some disciples. And it's not that they were bad fishermen. In fact, there are plenty of points in our text that allude to them being actually quite successful in their fishing ventures. They have partners. They have multiple boats. They knew what they were doing. And yet for one night, it went very poorly. For one evening, they toiled and toiled and toiled and came up empty. And our reading begins with that next morning, that Jesus is standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, otherwise known as the Sea of Galilee, and people are pressing against him to hear the word. And those unsuccessful fishermen have come back from their failed attempts, and Jesus, in order to get a little bit of a broader view of those there, asks Peter to put out just a little bit in his boat and sits there and teaches to them. And we don't know when, and we don't even know what Jesus was saying, but at some point, he turns to Peter and says to Peter, hey, why don't you try one more time? Cast your nets out. Let them down and see what happens. Now, if you've ever had a truly long, very back-breaking day of work, you must have known how Peter felt in that moment. Because anyone who's had a long day of work like that knows what it's like to be done with that day knows what it's like to have that final moment of rest and relaxation, that moment where you just sit down and breathe. And you can imagine there was probably some annoyance from Peter in this request. And his response, his initial response, even alludes to this. He was tired. He was hungry. He was probably frustrated. All he wanted to do was take a nap, get some food, and maybe vent to his wife about how bad the fishing had been. And we read Peter say to Jesus, Sir, we toiled all night and nothing, nothing. And yet maybe out of faith or trust or maybe because his brother Andrew kept telling him that this guy, this teacher was the Messiah, Peter also says, At your word, at your word, Jesus, I'll do it again. So he goes out and lets down his nets. And at that very moment, something quite astonishing happens. He not only gets a catch, but he gets a catch so great that his nets begin to break. He frantically nods and yells and shouts over to his partners to come and help him. And they fill both boats with enough fish so that both boats begin to sink. Now as an experienced fisherman, Peter knew what he just witnessed was all wrong. It was the wrong time of day. It was the wrong part of the lake. And certainly with how they fished, it didn't happen that quickly. These nets, they were drag nets. They had to be dropped down, hung over the boat, and it took time for the fish to entangle themselves in these nets. He knew that what he had just witnessed was more than just some good luck or good fortune. 
quite appropriate for this time of year. You could even say Peter had an epiphany that he realizes this isn't Jesus giving away his secret fishing spot. This isn't just a good paycheck. No, this is a gift. Jesus brought these fish to his nets. This was a gift from one who seemed to have power over creation. Peter realizes quickly this is a gift that could only come from someone who wielded the power of God. And while everyone else looks astonished, stunned, still can't figure out what to make of what they just witnessed, Peter has a different reaction, fear, because he also realizes who it is that is standing right there next to him in his boat, and he remembers who he is as a sinful man, saying to Jesus, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And then Jesus has these wonderful words to not just Peter, but also James and John and all, there, all those who are there in the boat with them. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid in my presence. But from now on, you will be catching men. And they return to the shore, leave all of it there, and follow him. This is a miracle that's done for Peter. It is truly and literally a miraculous catch of fish for a specific group of fishermen on a specific lake at a specific time in front of specific people. And in that sense, this is a truly isolated event. I can attest to the fact that this doesn't happen every time a Christian goes fishing. And yet there's so much that we actually share with Peter in this text. First thing we share with him is the gifts that Jesus brings to us. No, it's not a miraculous catch of fish, but he sure does bring us a lot of great gifts. Material blessings, daily bread, and more than that, the forgiveness of our sins and everlasting life. And in those gifts, in our recognition of who God is, we also share in Peter's confession the recognition of who we are. That when confronted with the glory of God, we should say, depart from me, Lord, for I should not be here, for I am a sinful man. We share in that confession that we spoke earlier, that most merciful God, I am sinful and unclean. I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. I have not done what I'm supposed to do, and I have done things I'm not supposed to do. That justly, rightly, I should have your presence and eternal punishment. And that's not the sort of confession that only occurs from Peter and the disciples and us in the 21st century, but that's the confession of God's people when confronted, when presented before the presence of the Lord all the way back to Adam and Eve. That as sinners, we tried to hide in God's presence, knowing full well that he knows all that we've done. Even our prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament reading in the temple, when confronted with the glory, the Lord says, woe is me, I'm a dead man because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. And yet, in that confession, we are reminded that we do not have a God that departs from us, that cuts us off or casts us out, but rather a God that draws us near to him, a God that would come to this earth to dwell among us, a God that would die in order to unite us to him. Once one realizes the gifts that Jesus brings to us, 
Once one realizes the confession we rightfully have and the wonderful proclamation of forgiveness and reconciliation with God, there's another thing we share with Peter in this text. It's the last few verses of our reading that from now on you will be catching men. That's the mission Jesus gave the disciples, the apostles, those he would send out into the world. But so too, that is the mission that Christ has given his church. That is the mission that Christ has given the people in his church. I have to imagine in that moment they didn't quite know what he was talking about. Catching men? But a few years later, Jesus would clear it up for them a little bit. The Gospel of Matthew recounts it as the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. But Luke records it just a little bit differently. It's actually not even in the Gospel of Luke, but in Acts chapter 1. In the last words that Jesus says to his disciples before his ascension, that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You will be my witnesses. One humbling reminder is sometimes how poor a job we do as witnesses. And yet that is still our daily God-given great gift of a task as Christians to go and do. To go and testify, to go and witness to what God has done for me, a sinner. That he has received me and he'll receive you as well. It's a mission that we shouldn't be complacent in. We should very literally and truly, and I ask you today to ask yourself, who has God presented before me to catch? Who are those people in our life that he's placing in it so that I can be that witness to them? And it's a daunting thing to think about, but when we remember how the disciples do it, we get a pretty good roadmap for what that might look like. For we are called to catch those people that we know. The first person Andrew told that he had found the Messiah was his brother. We are called to go to those people that our family, our friends, our co-workers that are in our daily life, even those people we love who may not yet know the love that God has for them. But it doesn't stop there. No, we are called to go and catch those people we don't know as well. We read that God told Paul, you're going to go to the Gentiles. You're going to be a witness to people you wouldn't eat, even eat dinner with a few days ago. You are going to go and take my name. You're going to carry my name to them. Carry my name to them at great cost. But this is the task I've given to you. And so too do we, as a church, as individuals, do we have that task. To go to those people we don't even know yet today. That we don't know on today, February 6, 2022, but maybe we'll enter our lives this year, five years from now, ten years from now, or maybe just the people we haven't taken the time to stop and talk to in our lives. For we are called to catch even those people we don't see. It's kind of ironic in a world where so much in the last two years has made it very easy to not see anyone. It is so easy for us to just call drive-up grocery orders, in-car, curbside deliveries. And if we wanted to, we don't have to see anyone right now. We could do it all virtually. And yet we are reminded that part of the mission of the church is to go and look and see 
the people that Christ died for. Take that wonderful proclamation of the gospel to them and let the Holy Spirit go to work. It is a very simple mission and yet one that shapes our very existence. It's a straightforward task and yet one that cannot be done by a single individual or even a single congregation, but rather is the task that Christ gives his entire church, St. Paul's Lutheran Church in De Pere included, to go and witness, to go and share the great gifts that God has brought to us, a sinful people, knowing that that gift we've been given in Christ, our sharing of that is not for ourselves, is not to the glory of how good we can be, but rather an acknowledgement of our shortcomings and the God that brings his life and forgiveness to us even in those shortcomings, all to the glory of his wonderfully holy name. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.